Church, let's just take a moment and uh, think about what we've just sang. We're all in different places, different things going on. And the choice is, will we trust Jesus in this moment? Is Christ really enough for you? And we come with a shout of praise and victory. For God is good. Let's just take a moment and thank him in any way you want to. If you want to clap, you want to shout, you want to kneel down. Let's just take a moment and thank God for who he is and what he's doing. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, and you may be seated. Well, good morning, Rise. Good to see each of you particularly those of you visiting with us. You too, Corey. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, Jim, could we bring the house lights up? I am old and my eyes are dim, and I like to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you today. You know, as we were just singing that, uh, tears came into my eyes, and I thought about our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. And what are they singing? Christ is enough. Where fear bounds, your grace abounds even more. Uh, this is a picture of one of our Alliance churches in Kiev. A blast uh, went off near the church, blowing the windows out and doing that to the sanctuary. Kiev, as you know, is the capital of the Ukraine, and it's a war zone. But what intrigues me about this is the fact that people are in that church 24 hours a day. They are praying and they are praising God and they are reading psalms every 24 hours, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That convicts me. I don't know about you, but that really convicts me. I wonder if the windows here were blown out and we heard shelling around us. Where would we be as a church? Praising God. That is my hope. And I believe that's true. But only adversity will do that. Only adversity will do that. They're saying, uh, as they put their services on Facebook on Sunday... <laughs> still going at it, right? 24 hours a day, there they are. Not concerned for their safety, but praising God through it all. It's just an amazing kind of thing in my mind. And they report they're seeing leaders, and particularly teenagers at the church, growing immensely because of what's happening there. Boggles my mind. The churches are doing everything they can to help everyone. Uh, with issues of safety, food, housing, medicine. 
And our Ukrainian brothers and sisters are telling us they feel the prayers of everyone <laughs> as they see God's hand of protection and forward motion as answers to prayer for what's going on there. And so I remind us today that praying is the greatest thing we can do. Praying is the greatest thing we can do to encourage them going through that even as we speak. And so we will wonder, well, how do we pray? How do you pray into this kind of situation? Let me give you just a couple of things to be thinking about. Pray for an end to the war and for peace. Uh, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And even in the midst of trial and tragedy, he is the Prince of Peace, is he not? Absolutely. We pray that God would continue to protect his people and not only protect them, but use them for his glory in the lives of those who don't know him, even through these circumstances. We pray for all those who become IDPs, which is internally displaced people or refugees. They need food, they need shelter, they need medicine. And now they're saying there's up to 10 million people who now fit into these categories. And countries like Poland have opened their borders and are embracing. It's just mind-boggling to me to see the world responding like this. And in the fact being that as over a million refugees have come to Poland, there are no refugee camps. People are opening their homes and businesses and places of work everywhere to shelter those who are coming in. They're not building refugee camps and keeping them segregated. They're embracing them. People from another country. <laughs> Pray for Alliance leaders to know how to best respond to this situation. And that God would open doors for us to continue to help those there. They're not fleeing. They're staying. They're staying. And I respect that kind of faith. Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith leads to perseverance and perseverance to maturity. Pray for them. Pray for the world. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines, but don't be alarmed. These are the beginnings of birth pangs, Jesus said. But we pray for those that God would use them right where they are. So I'm wondering, uh, who would lead us in prayer this morning? You don't have to pray these requests. These are just some ideas that I wanted to give you because sometimes we say, how do we pray? How do we pray? How do we pray? So uh, who would like to? Man, I think we'll go with Christopher. Sorry, Nate. I love you young men just stepping up and saying, hey, I'll pray. Jim, do I need to turn this on? Nope, ready to go. I think it appropriate that we all stand. And this is a symbolic picture of unity as we stand with those in Ukraine undergoing intense persecution and yet living out the faith. So church, together, one voice, one accord, believing God for something there. Let's pray together, church. God, we come before you recognizing you for how, 
how awesome you are, how mighty you are, how you have called on us, your people, to be full of faith so that when there is a need, Lord, we come to you to recognize you as the supplier of all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And Lord, this need is so overwhelming that, that it, it defies uh, practical uh, solutions in some ways. So Lord, we, we come before you and we ask you to be the, the salve for the wounds of the people uh, who are watching their homes being destroyed, uh, watching the uh, illusion of safety being shelled away by bombs, uh, watching some of them, their loved ones, die in front of their eyes, uh, the profound loss that is being experienced, Lord. It, it reveals the truth. It reveals the truth, Lord, that the only safety, the only shelter is in the, in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, and it reveals how transient this life truly is, Lord. We are truly on our way through. This, is, this world is not our permanent home. Uh, we have a home, and it's the home that you are preparing for us. Uh, so, Lord, we, pray, we thank you, Lord, that in the midst of these terrible circumstances, it does reveal the truth of the situation, that there is no hope in any other name but in the name of Jesus. And we pray that this situation would make that real, Lord, uh, for those people who are suffering right now in Ukraine, and that they, many of them, during these difficult circumstances, would call on the name of Jesus to be saved. And Lord, we pray for the people who are opening up their homes and their hearts to those that are suffering. And we pray also uh, for, for you to comfort them. We pray for, uh, that you would bless the, the nation of Poland for, for the way that they have opened up their homes and their hearts. And we pray most of all that the truth would be revealed and that God would be glorified in the midst of these terrible circumstances. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And you may be seated. Dan, would you come on up? Everybody say hi to Dan. Hi, Dan. Hey, Dan. Good morning. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Sometimes God reveals himself in some ways that are unexpected. And that's been the case for you this week. Why don't you share with the congregation what's going on with you? Good morning, congregation. Uh, first, I want to thank each and every one of you that have been praying for my family. Um, Thursday morning, uh, my wife was woken up by a, a thump on the wall. Um, and then I was woken up to a, a, a shriek and a yell and a desperation in my wife's voice. Um, and I walk into my son's room, and he's blue, um, convulsing foam at the mouth, and um, I panicked. I didn't know what to do. Um, for a split second, I, I just froze, and then um, I snapped out of it. I grabbed my son, I put my hand in his mouth, I pulled his tongue out. I pound on his back, and I'm just screaming to wake up, for him to wake up. And my heart is breaking because um, I'm sure there's people in this room that lost a loved one. Um, 
and specifically a child. And uh, I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't. And I'm screaming and pleading with God to take me instead of my son. And out of all of this, um, I start to understand the love that God has for us. Um, I've always prayed to, to, to have a deeper connection with God, to understand who he is and, and how big he is and how much he loves us. And I realized that Thursday when I felt at my weakest with my son in my hands, blue, pleading, bargaining with God. And I come to realize how much God loves us. To send his son willingly to sacrifice himself for, for individuals that he doesn't know. He does know us. But at that point, he dies. He dies for just everyone in this world, in every generation following. And uh, my story is just a, a grain of sand compared to the war that's happening in Ukraine. But it's impactful in my life. We all have lives. We all have stories. Um, I just ask that you continue to pray for my son. He, uh, he's home now. Um, he, they've, they've done testing. They gave him the CAT scans and the MRIs and all the, the testing needed to try and identify what's going on. And he was diagnosed with uh, an abnormality in his brain. Um, so they're discussing with uh, the neurosurgeons down in Milwaukee, and we're, we're supposed to meet with them on Friday to determine a course of action for surgery. Now, for me, the you know thinking of brain surgery scares the bejesus out of me. So. Uh, I thank the Lord he's home with me now. Uh, last night, when I tucked him into bed, uh, you know, he, he, he broke down crying because he thought, am I going to wake up, Dad? I mean, that, that really hit me. And I told him, I said, it is God's will, and I'm not to understand it. I'm only to accept it. So... We prayed, I grabbed my pillow and my blanket from my, my room, and I laid right next to him. And that's all I can do, is support him through this. And at the same time, I ask God to support me, because I have to be there for my family, and my wife is a wreck, and um, I hope that through this experience, she gets to understand the love of God, and just how much, um, how much of an impact he had on me as well as uh, his will. His will, just the fact that he loves us and he wants the best for all of us. So I share that with you. Um, just continue to pray for me and my family if you have a minute, even if it's, you know, one word, you know. My son's name is Holden. My name is Dan. My family's name is Lopez. Just say Lopez. You don't have to be, it doesn't have to be an intricate prayer. I just, uh, just share your love with us. I know some of you might know me and some of you might not, but to me, we're a community. The first thing I did was text John when I came out that morning. Got in my car and broke down because I couldn't break down in front of my wife. I needed to be strong for her. 
I picked up my phone and I sent him a text and said, I need prayer now. I need my church behind me. And the word went throughout the, 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 you know, the, the channels and Todd reached out to me and it was just a wonderful feeling to know that I have these prayer warriors behind me that are just continuously praying and asking God to bless us. So I wait for, for the Lord's miracle. Again, my story is just a grain of sand, but I share with you and I wanna thank you from the bottom of my heart for your prayers and your support through this. Can you say Lopez? No, say it to the Lord. Yeah. Who would pray for Dan and his wife is Justine, and he has two children, Holden and Sawyer, and Holden is the one that's facing impending difficult surgery. Uh, who would like to pray for the Lopez family? Grant, we'll go over this way. Now, for Grant to pray, Grant, why don't you stand? Dan, you stay right here. No, no hang on, hang on to Russell. This is Grant's first Sunday bringing his son to church. This is Russell. Russell's first time in church, first time visitor. Smaller size, but you understand what it means when a child is in the balance. So thank you for praying. Church family, let's pray together, shall we? God, um, lift up the whole entire Lopez family. Um, <clears throat> you know, we don't know why things happen, but... Um, Lord, we know that you are good, and um, it's hard to see that sometimes, um, but God, you give us faith, um, and I pray that through this whole experience, Lord, like Stan said, that you are glorified, that you are, <clears throat> that your name be known throughout this whole, um, whole situation, um, Bless Holton, um, and um, you're in control, and his and he's in your hands. And um, and again, we um, just express that you are good, and you are, um, and your works are good. Um, so, so Lord, we trust you and love you. Um, yeah. And lift up the Lopez family. In your name, Amen. Well, we're having fun now. Yay. We're just trying to keep it real. Because this is the way our world is, and this is the way lives are. And yet God is still good, is he not? And I don't know where your pain and brokenness is just now, but he does. And he's still the healer, is he not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this morning we welcome you to the 
Pump the Brakes series finale. That's where we've been the last couple of months. I started this thing by stating that most of us in this room are living at an unbiblical and unsustainable pace. And we all sense that things are happening, moving very, very quickly. And, and for most of us, we don't know how to slow this thing down. How do we do this? And hence the challenge over these last weeks. Pump the brakes. And I trust the Lord has been speaking to you about some ways to do that. Yet sadly, most of us are not going to change. Most of us in this room are not going to change. You've heard months of messages and it won't do any good. And sometimes I'm like, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing this? Because God says do it. And that's enough. But I know that most of us aren't going to change. Been around long enough and breaks my heart. The way I look at it, it's just like uh, uh, we're cruising down the highway on the interstate. We're in the left lane. Everybody there is doing 80, 85, right? And away we go. Until you suddenly spot an unmarked police car and he's got a radar gun pointed right at you. And you know what happens? Everybody jams the brakes. And you're down to like 55 miles an hour, right? And it's like, why are you doing this? But what happens a half mile down the road? Niedermeyer's pedal goes right back. It's stuck on 85, right? And so that's, that's kind of the way I, I see this series, quite frankly, is that uh, we're all cruising along. We hit this spiritual kind of experience, like, I got to do something about it. And we pause for a moment, but then it's right back into that left lane, and we're going 85 miles an hour again. I just like, oh, ah. But you know what I'm thankful for? A few of us are going to get it and do life according to the rhythms of God's grace and truly make a change and not live according to the patterns of this world. Some will do this, and that's what keeps me in the game, and that's what keeps me excited. Will you be one of those? Will you be one of those? Now, I've shared with you that this has been a lifelong battle for me. My 90-year-old mother told me recently I hit the ground running as a toddler. I never look back, and I've never been still, right? That's something very, very difficult for me. I'm just wired to do more and more and more. And I was just uh, going through uh, my journals. This one came from January 1999 when I was talking to the Lord. And here's what I wrote back then. I want to be sensitive to your timing, Lord. Call me back to prayer and simple faith. This whole managing and ministering programming side of things is so consuming. I want to hear you speak. That will only happen when I am still. I want to hear you speak. That will only happen when I am still. And so the battle continues in my own heart as it does yours. And I mentioned that slowly, and I think surely I'm getting it. Slowly but surely, I'm getting it. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that. But you know what it's taken? Getting older, right? Getting older kind of slows things down. Bypass surgery, coronary heart disease, diabetes, anti-anxiety meds, lots and lots and lots of counseling. Yeah, I go to counseling. And I'm proud of it because I need help, right? And so uh, all of these God has used in my life 
He's constantly shouting out in love, trying to get our attention, focus on what's really important, what's really going to matter, what's all said and done, what is going to matter a thousand years from now that you're worrying about today, John, right? And I'm listening. I've done a couple of things these last months. Uh, the leadership of this church has given me the opportunity to work more from home. I thought, ah, this is weird. Everybody in COVID works from home. It's just like, well, that's weird stuff. It's weird. You got to go to the office. You got to do this. You got to be out with people. You got to do this. I found this to be quite liberating, quite honestly. And the moments that I spend at home, I am far more productive. And you know what I'm more productive doing? Getting down on my knees and praying for you by name. And that's what I do because I have the margin to do that. Because I'm not here getting interrupted constantly throughout the day. And I'm closer to Jesus by doing that. That's just one little thing, right? One little thing. I can't believe the impact that it's made. And then there's uh, the Apple Watch, right? Which tells me what to do, when to stand up. You're not standing up, right? You're not reaching your goal. You're behind in your exercise ring, blah, 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 blah. And so, yeah, I went, I went almost seven months with closing every one of my rings. Woo, I'm sure Jesus was impressed with that. I'm sure he was. He had to be, right? So now I don't, at times, even wear the Apple Watch because I don't want technology telling me what to do. I want Jesus to tell me what to do, right? And so uh, take a break from technology. On the other hand, technology can be good, right? So uh, I found one thing that's been very liberating. I've shared this with you before, that uh, I get in my Honda Hybrid, and I put on adaptive cruise control, and I put on lane management, right? And that car basically drives itself, and I don't have any road rage. I mean, like zero. It's like gone. I just sit back, right? And so I'm on the interstate, right, driving home constantly. I put my cruise control on 74. And with adaptive cruise control, it will slow the car, speed it up, do whatever it wants to do, right? And I just sit there in quiet. I sit there in quiet, Right? And I'm enjoying it a lot because what I see is a whole line of SUVs in the left lane and they're going 85 miles an hour and I'm looking down going 74. I'm getting past like I'm standing still, but I'm showing 50 miles the gallon. And I'm thinking, you and your SUV at 15? See you at the gas station, bud, right? I put eight gallons in mine. How about you? How about you? I think this is great. Uh, thank you, Jesus, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, this is going to be a challenge for your next lead pastor. Yeah, no pickup truck. <laughs> uh, and uh, we as leaders have talked about this. Your next lead pastor has got to maintain this, uh, I believe, uh, this, this constant recognizing how do we slow down? How do we maintain a doable pace? Each of us has a choice. Two sisters I read in Scripture had a choice. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And we've covered this passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 10. Mary and Martha had the exact same opportunity. 
The exact same opportunity, both sisters. Jesus, the Son of God, is in the house. Cool. Jesus is here. Mary chose to pump her brakes. Certainly she had a bunch of stuff to get done, right? All the preparation because Jesus is in the house. But she embraced the moment. She sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus commended her for that. Go, Mary. Martha missed the moment. She missed the opportunity. I'm often more like Martha. How about you? Missing the opportunity, distracted by all the details. Or here's how the NIV puts that particular verse. Distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. How much of my life is distracted by all the preparations that need to be made? Got to be busy. Martha was distracted with good things that kept her from the best thing. That sound familiar? Distracted by the good things that kept her from the best thing. Can you relate? I sure can. I sure can. Wow. 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 Like the prodigal son, we aren't going to do anything about it until we come to our senses. Where was he when he came to his senses? In the pig pen, right? The prodigal son? Yeah. Once we decide we're sick of this, we want a different life, we want life to look differently, we will come to our senses. And over the last couple of weeks, Sam has been showing us from the 23rd Psalm, particularly verse 5, this truth, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. I've, I've really enjoyed that teaching. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. There's a table, there's a banquet, there is a feast, there's something grand that God has prepared for each of us, an amazing experience prepared just for us by none other than the good shepherd who is Jesus. He has prepared a feast for each of us. I find that absolutely amazing, right? Yet this table also has the presence of my enemies. Who are the enemies at your table? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's the circumstance of this or that, something in your own family that you're wrestling with. It's earthly desires. It's our busyness. All of this disrupts the banquet that Jesus prepares for us. The good shepherd is preparing constantly this banquet for us to sit down and dine with him. But there's also the presence of our enemies there. And so the challenge is they got to go. Pumping the brakes spiritually means identifying those things that are at our table and dealing with them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those enemies that disrupt. So the question becomes, who or what is an enemy who you would ask or command to leave your table so that you might have deeper intimacy with Jesus? Who or what is that thing at your table, an enemy of the grace of Jesus that's condemning you, that's shaming you, that's causing you all kinds of anxiety? Who is that enemy at your table that needs to leave so that there can be a wonderful love relationship with the one who's prepared a banquet for you? Have you been thinking about that? Has the Holy Spirit put his finger right on that thing, that enemy that's at your table right now? might be different than it was last week, or maybe it's one you've been dealing with for decades, but there's that enemy that's there disrupting what God wants to do. So this morning, we're going to come to the table. The table is the Lord's Supper. It's a spiritual feast of remembering and connecting with a good shepherd. 
It's a wonderful place. It's also a time that we are supposed to look inward, isn't it? To prepare ourselves to identify some unwanted guests at our table and tell them to take a hike. In the name of Jesus, no more. No more. I've identified you and we put it in the light. Oh, the enemy flees. But we, as long as we keep it covered up, it's there. It's festering. It's disrupting the banquet. What's got to go? What's got to go? So that we might have life and life abundantly. Now, we're going to do something that we do at Arise from time to time. Before we come to the table this morning, we are going to get into groups. And again, I mentioned that uh, for some, including me, uh, being an invert, I hate getting in these groups. It's like, oh, wow, why do we have to do that? It's like, eh, I just want to sit and I want to spectate. I want to observe. I don't want to participate. I just, I come to church to be fed, right? Well, go get a donut then. <laughs> yes, you have to earn it. <laughs> <laughs> that is not communion bread either. That is, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and what I, that's a part of who we are, what we believe is a church. That the church is a group of people that gather together. We're not getting all the wisdom that comes from up here because the wisdom is out there. And people who are doing life and living for Jesus, people like you, there's where wisdom is, Right? And so we're going to share our collective wisdom. Here's how it's going to look, right? And I know it's hard, especially for everybody to get all that. I get all that. But again, every time I do it, I come off our back saying, wow, that was good. That was really good. I needed that. I need to hear from other people. Did you like what Dan said? That touched your heart? Yeah. That's real stuff. Real stuff. But we're going to take some time to identify an unwelcome guest at our table. That's been creating chaos and frenzy rather than experiencing the peace and joy that Jesus said he would provide for us. Who is that enemy that's at your table? Now I'm going to ask if you would share briefly, not all the details, right? Leave the preaching to the professionals, all right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was wondering if you'd jump on that one. Uh, but just keep it brief because our time is limited. So identify what's at your table. And I think you're going to hear a common theme in your group. I really do, right? I, I really, really do think you're going to hear a common theme. So if you're, like, wrestling with your thought life, just say thought life. You don't have to go into all the details, right, about that. Just say, you know, thought life or fear or whatever it might be that you're, that's an enemy at your table. So when you get in your group, uh, you'll select a fearless leader, and then you'll be given an instruction sheet. Al, you got those instruction sheets? Stop talking when I'm speaking, Al. Thank you. Yeah, Cheryl's not here, so you're back there. Yeah, da, 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 da. Okay. Good. So Al's ready to go. So uh, how this is going to look, you've got about 20, 25 minutes, and that will conclude our service. Participation by everyone is invited, but not required. And if you don't feel like sharing, just smile. Next, right? We don't want anyone to feel any pressure, right, to share. But this is kind of who we are as a family. When the family gets together to eat, we kind of share what's going on in our lives and, and that kind of thing. 
Uh, we're not going to force anyone. Uh, please don't feel obligated in any way. Just sit back and listen. Listen to what God's people are saying. And I think you'll hear your story there too. I do. And then uh, we're gonna, you're going to select someone. You see these tables that are lined up in the back? Okay, everybody can turn around and look. See the tables in the back? In your group, you're going to sign someone to go get a table. You're going to put that in the middle of your group. That's the table, the feast that God has prepared for you. It's none other than his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He invites us all to the table, right? And if you're a follower of Jesus, he says, Come. Do this in remembrance of me. So you'll read some scripture. Uh, you're, you're then going to share together who is that enemy that's at your table. We're going to deal with that. Then we're going to take communion as a group. All right? And I'm going to ask the leader, you start answering that question. Who or what is an enemy who you would ask or command to leave your table? That's going to be up on the screens. Okay? And so everybody share. And then we'll have communion. When you hear the music, there'll be two, okay, follow the instructions, two places where you hear music. When the music begins to play, it's your signal to lead your group in communion, okay? So remember that. So when you hear the music, that means the sharing, bring the sharing to an end and start to serve communion. So we have enough time to finish, okay? Then serve communion. And then wrap up your time together when you hear the music the second time. That means we're all going to come back together and close the service. Okay? So what are you going to do right now? Groups of how big? Yeah, small is good. Uh, Arise has problem with math because generally groups are like 10 or 12. It's like this big, humongous thing. All right? Small groups. Six, right? Shoot for six. You got a little overflow, that's cool, but however that works. Then you're going to do what next? Appoint a leader. Appoint a leader, select a fearless leader, right? And then all the instructions are on that sheet. You're going to be sharing, then taking communion together. And if you're like Dan Lopez, right? It's a very meaningful experience. When we think about all that Jesus has done for us. And oh, how he wants the enemies to flee so that he might be king of kings and lord of lords. Right? Okay, any questions? You ready to do this? You excited about it? All the extroverts are like, yay! All the introverts, ah. Okay, but that's okay. That's okay. Because we're all in this together. All right, let's stand. Yeah, if you're visiting with us, you're going to think this is really weird. Okay? So what I usually do when I stand is I look at, around for the people I don't want to be in the group with, right? <laughs> okay, groups of, the chairs move, groups of six or so. Al, get them the instructions. Get to it, gang.